want you, oh, girl. Oh, I like that. Thank you. I was practicing. That's really good. I'm impressed. <laughs> now you just raised the bar. Now I got to come up with something. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> well, you do it all the time, so I thought I'd come up with something new instead of just going, oh, girl. Um, hey, welcome back, everybody. Happy October. It is our favorite month. We've been yes. telling and showing scary things um, all month. I'm so excited about today because we've got something special. But I first, know. let's get to some shout outs. And, and by the way, we decided to do some special shout outs, right, Shalane? It's That's a, it's a right. focused set of shout outs. So what, what, what are we focusing on today anyway? Well, you know, the fact, <laughs> the fact that you said focus, that's a lot for me because, you know, and for mm -hmm. both of us, mm -hmm. we scroll a lot. But right, right, I right. went with a theme-based podcast list today. So the first one I have to kick off is we love these girls. They are the ride and die. To me, they are the OG of the Ghost Paranormal podcast. They are Haunted AF, and you can figure out what AF is. But that is Julie and Rebecca, and their podcast is all about real-life ghost stories, but with a funny twist. It's like a grown-up version of a middle school sleepover. I mean, if you can mm -hmm. do that, but they're really funny, really good. Next, we have ghosts or weird real-life ghost stories and paranormal from all over the world. We have two girls and one ghost. I, I just like that name, two girls and one ghost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and they just, again, they talk about real ghost stories. And I just want to make a side note. I went through our list of listeners, and it's interesting. A, a lot of people, they have paranormal, but, you know, but then they, like, blanket it with, like, UFOs and all this stuff. It's very difficult to find just a ghost podcast. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had to really dig for these guys. Um, classic stories, excuse me, classic ghost stories podcast. It's stories from the pen of the masters guaranteed to make you shiver. We have the ghost story guys podcast, real life ghost stories podcast and ghost train podcast. I like that. All right. So, so it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh girl, you did not. I did. Cornelius. What's his name? Cornelius. I can't think of his yeah. last name. No, um, his... Who know, who knows? That's all you need to know oh. is Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius. He do he he's doing the disco ghost. Yeah. That is right. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm -hmm. god. That's too much. That is I love dumb. It. <laughs> well, okay, let's get I'm sure oh, our, wait, our wait, special wait, guest wait, oh, wait, yes. I no, on social media. I got so carried away oh. with Cornelius. Okay, so let me just go ahead and throw this in. So if you want to go ahead and give us some stories, ghost stories, um, drink recipes, and we also love free stuff. So you want to go ahead and sponsor us or whatever, please reach out to us on Facebook and on Instagram. That is Old Girl Podcast. O-H-G-U-R-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And Podcast Girl on Twitter because... <sighs> Some heifer took our handle. <laughs> and of course, you can always email us at ogrepodcast at gmail.com. Back to you, Jenny. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited today because we have a guest. Once again, we have invited a girl yes. into our domain. Um, today, we have Heather Dobson, who is, um, has been investigating the paranormal for about 13 years. And on October 31st, the second of a three-part series of books is going to be released. It's called Recollections of a Future Ghost. Welcome, Heather. Hi, guys. Or excuse me, hi, girls. Hey, hey girls. Thanks for having right. me. Hey. We're so excited to have you here. Um, um, we we just we love having someone that can kind of um, comment on our crazy thoughts and processes because you know yeah. that's we, we need are. we need a sense of normalcy. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, and I'm I'm so happy to be here and, and talk Yay. about my favorite topic with you guys, which is the paranormal. So Yay. yep, yay. Okay, Shelley. Yes, we're doing something different today. <gasps> what? What are we doing? What, what, well, it's, oh, it's wait. normally time. Oh, oh, okay, okay. You know, this time of year, I get distracted. You know, I'm squirreling. All right, so I guess, you know, normally this would be the time for us to ask each other our favorite question, but today, mm -hmm. Heather has come with some gifts, and I love gifts, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Jenny, I think we should do this together. Okay. Okay, one. you ready? Count it. Yeah, one, two. Three. What you drinking? Drinkin'? 
today's you drink. You drinks! Yeah, yes! drinks! <laughs> today's drink is brought to you by Greenbrier Valley Brewing in Lewisburg, West Virginia, and it is their Mothman IPA. It's a very dark beer like Guinness, mm. and it's named after West Virginia's most favorite famous cryptid, the Mothman. And my favorite okay. as well. So I will first say I will toast to that scary yes. thing. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. You can't, you can't hear my sloshing, but it's that's it. right. I I will I will drink this, but I'm in spear because I have read the book and I know the story, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the Mothman, um, what do you want to call it? The uh, the story behind Mothman and yeah. your relationship to the Mothman. Sure. But cheers. Cheers, yes. cheers, cheers all around. Cheers. 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 Um, you know, in 1966, people in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is on the Ohio River, which borders Ohio and West Virginia, started seeing this creature, very tall, imposing creature covered in like a grayish fur kind of thing, bright red eyes, big red eyes, and it had wings. Mm. And it was fast. And there's an area just outside of Point Pleasant where um, explosives were stored during World War II, and it's called the TNT area. And of course, teenagers, being teenagers, like to go out to the TNT area to do nefarious things with one another. (laughs) And so it was a group of young people who were out at the TNT area who first sighted the Mothman. And what was fascinating was when they saw it, of course, it scared them. And they immediately got in their cars and drove as fast as they can out of there. And according to the witnesses, they were going 60, 70 miles an hour, and the Mothman was keeping up with them. It was flying. Yeah, scary. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) So he was seen all up and down the Kanawha Valley. The Kanawha River runs through the central part of West Virginia, and it empties into the Ohio, right there where Point Pleasant is. And so it was sighted all up and down the Kanawha Valley, Uh, People were seeing it in Point Pleasant, various other areas in Ohio and West Virginia. And, you know, of course, the Mary Heyer at the Athens Messenger in Ohio and in West Virginia was reporting on this. And it all culminated 13 months later in December 1967 with the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which is the bridge that went over the Ohio River between Point Pleasant and uh, Gallipolis, Ohio. Mm. And the Silver Bridge collapsed. It was, at the time, the worst bridge disaster in American history. And traffic was stuck. It was Christmas traffic. It was people getting out of work. The stoplights weren't working correctly. And so the bridge was packed with uh, traffic. And there was a fault in one of the I-beams that caused it to collapse. But many people think that the Mothman was a harbinger, that it was warning them about a disaster. And that's why they were seeing it. Hmm. And after the Silver Bridge collapsed, he disappeared. Hmm. He never actually hurt anyone, but he was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would be running for the hills and... Yeah. I don't need no Mothman after me. Now. No, me neither. You know what? I will, I will toast the Mothman for saving, giving a warning. That is a, that's a good guy. A good gray hairy good guy dude I guess. he's actually okay. a good guy but um my relationship with the mothman is that point pleasant west virginia is where my mother's family had their big reunion every year like hundreds of people from our side of the family um, would come for the entire weekend to this big campground and so of course as a little kid i read the mothman prophecies by john keel which was the book about the mothman sightings the definitive novel and i was freaked out the fact that we're in point pleasant where the Mothman is. And so I spent the night at a hotel with my grandparents in downtown Point Pleasant. And I'm blind as a bat without my contacts or glasses. And of course, I laid in bed all night, convinced that I could see the Mothman at the foot of our bed, staring at me because there was light coming in from under the door. This big form just, you know, 
and I was terrified to move. My grandparents were in the bed next to me. My cousin Stacy was um, right next to me in the same bed, and she was worthless in a fight, and I didn't want to upset my grandparents <laughs> or get them murdered. So I sat there all night staring at this shadow, finally fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning and put on my glasses, and it was a coat tree. <laughs> that was one of my favorite stories because yeah. it is so me like because mm -hmm. I'm blind as a bat too so you'd lay in bed when you were a little kid and you swear you'd see something yes. and you just lay there frozen like well if I don't move it won't get me <laughs> and it was and it was a coat rack which I just think rack. that's great so there you, know you go I can see honestly I could see how you can you know what I mean you would think that yeah. It's dark and no glasses and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally get it. That's why I was laughing. I'm like, I, it would be me doing that. Yep. So I love yeah. that. Um, okay. Speaking of the book. So I got to say, you know, Heather, I know you don't know me very well, but Shalane does. So she can vouch for this. Mm -hmm. I cannot lie. I can't mm -hmm. lie about something. Mm -hmm. If someone asks me how a play is, cause I, I'm an actor, don't ask me unless you want to know the truth. So yeah. when I say this, this is honest to God, the truth. I read memoirs of a future ghost, which is the first book of yep. the series. Um, I finished it in two days. I couldn't stop reading it. I Yay. loved it. It was so much fun. Um, for folks out there that are interested in the series or wanting to read these books, what's really great is it's such a conversation. It's such a storytelling. And that's what we do here. And that's why I think I loved it so much is that it's, it's just, it's stories, but it's such a great narration and it's very um, accessible. It's very like you, you go, oh my gosh, I can relate to that or I can relate to that. So mm -hmm. I loved it. Yay. So there you go. I'm, <laughs> awesome. I'm like, gotta say. Um, now, one of the things that was very interesting, especially because this is the first of, of a trilogy, mm -hmm. so this is kind of like your your um, origination story, if you want to go back to Marvel. Um, so <laughs> and we do. Thing. This is how this is how you know this is how she became Darth Vader. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out. Um, is that you start out literally with your birth, mm -hmm. and you and you go through, but when you were a young child, you really, really feared the concept of death or the idea of death. And it, it, it literally fed you into becoming a paranormal investigator. So do you want to, you know, you don't have to go into your whole life story or the whole book because we wanted to read it, but you want to give us a little bit of how that evolution happened and where that came from because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, like every kid, you realize, you wake up one morning and you realize that you're going to die. You know, whether it's because a relative has passed away or a close friend or a, a family pet. and you know, that realization hits and you ask your parents, am I going to die? And of course they have to tell you, well, someday. And, um, I had this horrible anxiety and I'm not sure if it was a fear of the unknown or this idea of infinity or it was just all sort of jumbled up into one big ball of anxiety. And so there are a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of distracting myself with books and television. And I, I figured out how to cope eventually. And um, then I went and had kids and it was no longer my death. It was their deaths. Mm. And, you know, so many people talk about, oh, the sex talk. That's I was not looking forward to the sex talk with the kids or potty training or whatever. For me, it was the death talk. I was terrified of the death talk. And, you know, I grew up in a Presbyterian church and, you know, I don't, I don't want to diss on religion or people's beliefs or what they need to get through sure. the day. But for me sure. personally, the Christian religion didn't give me solace when it came to thinking about death. And so, um, I am very scientific minded. I need to see something to believe it or to experience it. And I thought, okay, so I'm having anxiety about my kids' deaths and what's going to happen. And I'm having anxiety about being able to answer them truthfully what's going to happen when they die. So I need to face my fear head on and investigate the paranormal. And luckily for me, paranormal reality TV shows had just started. Paranormal groups were cropping up all over the place, and I found a group local to me that was willing to take me on as an investigator to train me. And so I joined, and I, I mean, I'd had a couple of experiences prior to that point, but they weren't anything that I really thought were life-changing. And so it was about a year, year and a half into investigating that I finally had an experience that I couldn't recreate, I couldn't explain, I couldn't just brush away, and I knew at that moment there is something going on here. There, there, there really is some kind of existence after death. And I feel like I'm comfortable enough to tell my children that. 
And so that's, that's where I am now. I can sleep at night. I'm not anxious about it any longer. It doesn't freak me out. That's, that's, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's so interesting is that, um, it's a different perspective about what, uh, about the world beyond. It just mm-hmm. is like from your, from your perspective. Now, um, I know we're going to get to some of your college life in a second, which Elaine, mm-hmm. but I wanted to touch on a couple of things that came from your personal life really quick, because what I liked about your book is that you kind of debunk like the non-scientific visuals of hauntings, but you also very specifically talk about some hauntings that happened to you personally, and they kind of revolve around your dad. And and, yeah. and I'm sorry, but y- your dad had passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, very sorry to hear that. At you know, our, we're we're young. We need to have our parents around, and I understand it. But yeah. you you added that in to explain that that was kind of the first couple of times that there were some sort of like moments mm-hmm. uh, with the afterlife. One in particular. And I want you to expand on it. Um, you can talk about the story of your dad at your mom's house, but the idea of the words residual haunting, I love that description. Right. Um, and that was the first one of the two before the dream. So let's talk about residual haunting and what your yeah. thoughts are on that. Well, um, you know, there are several different types of hauntings. And the two main types that we always deal with when we investigate are residual and intelligent. We can totally talk about intelligent another time. But a residual haunting is like a recording. It, it never changes. It just plays over and over again. And what people don't understand is that residual hauntings can happen even if the person is still alive. And what this is, is you, it's actions that are imprinted on a location. So let's say your grandfather would always get up at two in the morning, go downstairs, raid the refrigerator, and then go back to bed. So he would go down the creaky hardwood stairs. He'd walk across the, the hard floors. The refrigerator drawer would open. You'd hear glass clinking. Same movements going back to bed. And he does this for decades. And then he passes away or moves away from the house. One of the two. And so you as the new resident or you as the grandchild who are left behind after he passes away, you hear those footsteps and the glass clinking at two every morning. And it's not that your grandfather is haunting the location. It's not that he's there in spirit. It's that the actions themselves have been imprinted on that location and they are carried out every night as if he were still there. And so that's a residual haunting. Okay, I I'm, I'm speechless <laughs> because you said because it's freak and not freaking me out. It's the it's the if you're still alive, it can still yeah. happen thing. Yeah, that I'm like. So is that like through like a fifth dimension or an alternate alter alternate universe? I don't that, know. Like, and that's so what we weird. that's what we don't know. That's what we're trying to figure out. And okay. so you know, the idea is it a time slip or is it um, you know talking about quantum universes, quantum parallel universes? Is it, you know, something that's connecting between our universe and another parallel universe where the person's still alive or the person's still existing there? Is it actions imprinted on a location? Somehow they're being recorded. I don't know. That's why that's why investigators do this. And so my father was one of those midnight snackers. And from the time he died in January of 98 until the time that we um, buried his ashes in April, you could hear him walk the hallway at night into the kitchen to get a snack and go back to his bedroom. So was it him? Was it his actions imprinted on the location? Was it we only noticed it until April because by April we had let go of his corporeal remains and mentally we were better or was it a time slip or was it a quantum universe slip? I don't know. I don't have these answers, but it is fascinating nonetheless. Well, Shalane and I have talked about this. I know it's not a residual haunting, but we have this like discussion. For example, if you've never been to Las Vegas, I don't know if you have, but like three days later after you get home from Las Vegas and in your head, you can still hear the ching, 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 and all that noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I, I, you know, it's not there. It's just that like residual noise in your head. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like trying to like, you, you threw me off with the, it's still real. Now I'm like, whoa, yeah. what else? So that's very cool. And so that was the first time you kind of came into contact with like knowing your dad was still around a little mm-hmm. bit or part of him was still around. But then 
this is something I believe in. And you had another, you had it happen, which it only happened once, I think. But mm-hmm. let's talk about when folks that have passed come back and visit you in a dream. I believe in that 100%. But you had it happen with your dad. Let's, if you want to expand on dream ghosts or dream right. visions. You know, what, and what I don't mention in the book is what really solidified it for me that made me realize it was real. I think a lot of times our, our dead loved ones will visit us in dreams. And I do think it's our subconscious just working through whatever, mm-hmm. because he's been in my dreams a lot since that dream. But I can, it's like, I can tell that it's not really him, but this dream in particular was very different. And I, I was walking down a street and in my dream, I knew it, I, I, I it was familiar, but I had never seen it before. And I walked into a house and I, you know, the line from the Bible, you know, in my father's mansion, there are many rooms, sort Mm -hmm. of, I don't know, it it made me think of that line from the Bible that, you know, this was my dad's house, wherever he was. Okay. And I walked in and he was dressed up in a suit, looking very dapper, and we didn't say anything to each other. I just walked in and we smiled at one another and we danced. There wasn't any music. It was just like a slow dance waltz. And it was really just special. And there weren't any words. And that's what made it real for me is because it was so different than what he normally would have been like. And I imparted this dream, you know, that I was talking about a young man, talking to a young man about this dream. And this young man was um, probably the closest thing my dad had to to a grandson when he was alive. And so I told him about this dream and he said, he had something similar, but that it was, he was coming home from school and my dad was sitting at the end of his driveway with a baseball and a mitt and started playing catch with him. And that was so special because it was because of my father paying for him to be on the baseball team that he was able to play as a child. And wow. so just, you know, it wasn't the usual actions of Tom Scarborough. It was, it was different that really affected us. Wow. That's crazy. I, I mean, like if anybody that's listening wants mm-hmm. to send in any stories, I would like to know if anyone else has had family um, visit mm-hmm. them in dreams. Cause we want to talk about that um, or, or, or get some backup. Uh, please I send have. us in. I I've had, you have, I have two who, who came to visit you, Shalane. This was actually a family member. It was my sister's godfather. And I, it it was weird because you know how like you have, you know, you're not sure if you're awake or you're asleep. You're in that in between. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I remember being a little girl and I woke up with a flashlight in my face. It was just like a really bright light. And I didn't see his face, but I heard his voice. His name is Lonnie. And he went and said, no, go back to sleep. You're fine. I'm just checking on you. And I went back to sleep. I found out that the next day that he died in a in a eighteen wheeler truck. Um, he was decapitated. His car went right underneath the truck. Oh, his head off. And I was like in shock wow. because he visited me before he passed away. And so it's like it's crazy. I hadn't thought about that in forever because I must have been maybe seven, eight. Mm-hmm. And it was my sister's, my, my sister is seven years younger than I am. So it's like, it's not something that she would remember, nor would I tell her. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, you know, to this day, I just kind of like shrug it off as he was just checking on me. But then, you know, I kind of mm-hmm. wondered, like, was that really him? So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's like that. I'm, that's I've had chills. one with my... Yeah, it's very, it's very chills. I've had one with my grandma and one with her sister, my great aunt, who were like my two grandmas, and they lived mm-hmm. together since I was born. Mm-hmm. And on separate occasions, I've had them. Uh, my grandma was very stern. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in a loved and funny as hell. Um, but if she got, if she would get upset with me because I would like be complaining about something, she would say, Jennifer. And I go by Jenny. So I always know when it's grandma because it's mm-hmm. Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the dream hearing her say, Jennifer. And I, I feel like, and again, I don't know if I opened my eyes and actually was awake or if it was part of my dream, but I opened my eyes and she was standing at the foot of the bed and she just looked at me and I was like, oh, she's good. And then I went back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing grandma. I remember my aunt Dorothy, who was the very, she was the peacemaker, the very sweet, um, 
everybody wants to be like my aunt Dorothy, like everybody, that's the perfect person. She was very, just like the person that loved everyone. And I remember her, we were sitting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you you don't know where it was, but it was someplace that was supposed to be like dream familiar, Heather, like you said, with the house. Um, And we were just sitting quietly next to each other. And I just got this vibe of, you need to be a better person. You need to be like me. And again, that might be subconscious because I know that we all aspired to be like her, but it was cool to visit her. Now I've had my cat Riley come and visit me where he just wanted to sit up on the couch and curl up and wanted me to pet him. And I kind of felt like I knew that Mm -hmm. he was visiting and saying he was okay. And then um, my friend Dan, who passed away when he was Mm -hmm. 49, and this one makes me sad, sorry. And he came and just started laughing hysterically. And I don't know what he was laughing at. I just knew because we were all on Facebook talking about, we can't wait for him to come and visit us. Mm-hmm. And I had been waiting for like six months. I'm like, he better come and see me. And then whatever it was, he laughed hysterically. I saw him and I went, okay, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. So I believe, even if it's subconscious, I really appreciate my brain telling me that you're yeah, okay. Exactly. So I agree. Ooh, I didn't know that I was going to get emotional okay. with that. You know that I don't get that emotional. It's I know. Okay. I think this is the first time I've, I've actually yeah. seen you. All yep. right. Move on, Shalane. Yes, I'm, on. About to say, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the baton. All right. So, you know, talking to Jenny and, and just, you know, yep. I, I read up a little bit on you, Heather. I see that you mm-hmm. went to school for physics. So you yes. really focus on the science of the spirits, which is, it's very refreshing because you are not Zach Bagans, which is just basically, it's all smoke and mirrors and, <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. It's, all, yeah, no. it's all fabricated for television. Um, I really enjoyed your sorority story in the mm-hmm. dorm story. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And was that your first experience? Um, you know, yeah. Come to think of it, that was my first experience. I, um, I went to University of North Georgia, which, well, that's what it is now. It was North Georgia College at the time in Dahlonega, Georgia. And I joined a sorority, Delta Zeta. <laughs> oh, I was a Sigma Kappa. Oh. We were friends, though. Our two yeah. sororities were really good. Yeah, I went in, in Illinois, but the, the DZs and the Sigcaps, we were like buddies. Yeah. We, uh, okay. In our school, it was Alpha Gamma and Delta Zeta. So. Oh, uh, yeah, we did, we, mm, okay, okay, yeah, so, even civilly. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorority so, girl talk. So, our sorority at North Georgia, we didn't have sorority or fraternity houses, but in our one dorm, we had taken over the old associate dean's apartment. So, instead of just two girls, it was four girls. We had two bedrooms and like a little kitchenette, and so that's where we were living. And, um, downstairs in the basement of our dorm was a piano. And so I am laying there trying to, and our room was on the first floor right above the basement. So I am trying to sleep and all I can hear is this piano playing and my sorority sister, Tony, who, oh my gosh, she is so Italian and you (laughs) don't mess with her sleep. You don't like, I learned early on, you don't even talk to her before noon. You just. (laughs) <laughs> that's so jenny <laughs> no it's a total godfather moment so Chalane, oh my God. No, awesome. <laughs> i'm italian don't mess yeah, with my exactly. sleep okay and so no. you know she comes in the room and she's like what the f and so we decide we're like okay you go down the one set of stairs on one side of the basement i'll go down the other side of the stairs and we'll meet in the middle where that piano is and we're just gonna murder whoever this is and so we sneak down and we get to the doors that are leading into that common room and the doors have windows and we see each other through the windows you can't see the piano because it's off to the side and we're like you know what to go and I mean we just barged in there and it was dead silent there was nobody oh my and for them to have gotten out they would have either had to have gone up the central staircase Mm -hmm. or they would have had to have gone outside which would have set off alarms or Mm -hmm. come through whatever doors we were coming through right it was no there was nobody there and we heard the piano the whole time we're sneaking up on that common room. I just wow. I have no explanation. That's so. crazy. Until you just got in there. Now, was there was there like a specific like everybody was like, oh, look out for that dormitory. That's where you know the headless horseman yeah. lived or whatever. The, the you know, was there a specific ghost with like a story behind it or the the not our dorm. It was just the piano. Okay. We would just hear the piano playing. Oh, okay. The, um, 
the dorm that is no longer there, and I can't, oh, Sanford. It's actually been replaced by a new dining hall. Well, it's not new anymore, but um, Sanford Hall was a woman's dorm. And, you know, North Georgia College was known for, even when it opened in 1873, it was co-ed. And in the 1970s, they allowed women into the ROTC program there. And so there was a woman who was part of the Blue Ridge Rifle Team. They're the, you know, the, not shooting rifles, but, you know, like the twirling. Yeah, that's what I heard. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So she was part of the Blue Ridge Rifles team, and she was in a car accident. And Sanford was the female ROTC dorm at the time when she died. And so there were stories of girls waking up in the middle of the night, having their covers ripped off of them, having, the, having things knocked off the shelves, and there wasn't anybody there. Couldn't explain okay. what had happened. So. Mm-hmm. But there isn't anything like that where the piano was playing. You just had some sort of a spirit that enjoyed musical yeah. interludes. Yeah, okay. something. Well. It, it was very strange. <laughs> Do you take right. requests? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. You started working with a group of paranormal investigators, which part of the end of book one is a big cliffhanger because something happens with that group and we don't know what happens. So I can't wait for the next book, which, by the way, drops, like I said, October 31st, Recollections of a Future Ghost. Oh, yeah. And it's going to tell me finally what happened because I don't want to, I don't like, uh, cliffhangers for very long um as as you don't know this but if you uh, as shalane and i have had to deal with walking dead that's been off the air too long we don't like cliffhangers but anyway um what i love is that again you pointed out like in your first adventures with your investigation group like there was not a lot that really happened like you went on these investigations and they just didn't you know other than the fact that i do notice that the one consistent element with all of your investigations is that y'all <laughs> seem to eat a lot of snacks Yes. I'm just saying. Lots of snacks. You have a lot of snacks. Uh, by the way, what is this? What's the snack oh. of choice while investigating you know, the paranormal? Like nothing hot and spicy because that sounds oh. really demonic on recordings. <laughs> Uh-oh. Mm. You know, I didn't have a specific snack. I mean, it was always coffee. I mean, it was coffee, 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 coffee. Okay. But I would have to say the first time I ever investigated Old South Pittsburgh, and I took a friend with me, Dave, and actually Dave, spoiler alert, is in my second book. But I met him okay. through blogging. But anyway, he brought Little Debbie oatmeal pie. Oh, those sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and had any since childhood. Yeah, those are my go-to investigating snacks. One of the things that I like that you explain away, because you use common sense to explain away some of the things that a lot of other people, like you're mentioning, use as like reality, is orbs. Everybody talks about how they've got orbs on their pictures, and they've seen orbs, and there's orbs orbs on their video. Why don't you talk about orbs and debunking them? Sure. 99.99999, all the nines, percent of orbs in photos and videos are just water droplets or dust, pollen, bugs even, but it's mostly dust. I mean, we human beings shed skin like nobody's business. We're like lizards. It's ridiculous. And that's what dust is mostly made up of. And the problem is, is that when you get those dust particles in the air, the camera is actually focusing on that dust particle, not necessarily focusing on the background behind it. Then if you also have flash or if you have any sort of light that's illuminating, it will just light that dust up and it makes it look huge. Then you have something called pareidolia, which is our brains attempting to make order out of chaos. It's when you see Jesus in the grilled cheese sandwich or the Virgin Mary in a water stain. (laughs) And so you look at these overblown dust particles and you go, oh, there's a face in there. Well, no, it's not a face. It's just you're actually seeing, you know, a dust particle surface is actually really sharp and jagged. It's not smooth. And so some of that jagged surface is being lit up by the light or the flash and you're seeing that and you're trying to make sense your brain is trying to find a face somewhere in that and is creating a face and everybody says it's or it's you know it's a ghost right and it's not unfortunately it's not the only time that we actually accept an orb as evidence of the paranormal is if that it's self-illuminating and it doesn't move naturally meaning it's not It's not a little bug, you know, that's just flying along or, you know, you can always tell when dust is being blown by an HVAC system or when it's been disturbed by someone sitting down. So it has to have this unnatural movement that you can't explain by anything external. 
it's illuminated all on its own, not by a flash, not by IR, you know, um, reflectors or anything, then we'll consider it to be paranormal in nature. But And I do have to point out, I love that you do go, when you do your investigations, according to like all the stuff that I read, I love that you do walk through all the spaces and look at HVAC. You look at where um, uh, high electromagnetic would be like where, I don't know, what would it be like? Uh, uh, um, breaker boxes or yep. Appliances, anything. yeah. Yeah, I love that, that you like go science first. That would be that, that would be mm-hmm. that, that would be that. So that then when stuff happens, you can really right. uh, separate it from the science and go, okay, like you just said, if it's an orb moving weird, that's different than water. I love that. I love yeah. that because it makes it more like you believable when it really happens. Um, so right. we, we want to talk to you about some of your interesting moments. Shalane, there was one that you really liked. Do you want to bring that one up? Um, yeah. Well, I, let me see. Mm, you did have a few unexplained moments. Like the, there was a, a punch to Stephanie's stomach. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can, can oh, you yeah. a little bit on that? Definitely. We were investigating a house. Um, one of the many suburbs of Atlanta, and it was a young couple, a young married couple, and they had basically been gifted this house by her parents. I mean, they had owned this property for her entire life, and it was, okay, you know what? You guys live here rent-free until you get financially solvent and can go buy your own home, and it was really sweet. And so they had gone in, and they'd started renovating the house, and they were having a lot of experiences that scared them. And so it was actually a couple days after Christmas that we went and investigated and there are different kinds of sensitives, you know, um, you know, we have sensitives on our team. I'm not, I'm not one of them. I, I jokingly call myself a gray rock. I wouldn't know a ghost if it <laughs> was standing in front of me. I would have no clue. And Stephanie's the same way. And there was a gentleman on our investigation who is a sensitive and he's one of those sensitives that can just sit there and say, okay, yeah, the guy is standing over here and he's wearing khakis and he's, you know, a big smiley face t-shirt and, uh, you know, whatever. He's pretty, you know, regardless of what the ghost looks like, he's actually pretty on point about what's happening activity wise Mm -hmm. before it happens. And so we had split up throughout the house in different rooms and we were conducting an EVP session, electronic voice phenomena, where we're asking questions and recording audio. And so Stephanie was in the room where they kept, the husband kept his guitars. Tammy and I were in the guest bedroom and Clint and another investigator were in the master bedroom. And I overheard the clients ask Stephanie, are you sensitive like Bob? And she said, no, um, I wouldn't know a ghost if it walked up to me and smacked me. Oh, well, according to Bob, whatever was there was the spirit of a gentleman who was an alcoholic and he was angry. And so after she said that, you know, within a minute, she cried out in pain. And of course, we all scrambled in there wondering what had happened. And she described it as like something had punched her in the stomach. Mm-mm. Nope. And so we immediately went outside and got her some water and got her something to eat. And she, she said it just felt like that somebody had punched her in the stomach. And then the residual pain of it was like she'd done one too many sit-ups. And so we ended up calling the investigation and going home and she had nightmares for two weeks after that. Wow. Yeah. And the nightmares, I I believe, consisted of whatever it was that had, you know, hit her that she was having dreams about that spirit. We don't, we don't make jokes about that anymore. I wouldn't know it if it was standing right now. Right. I don't need anything to say. What do you, what do you do if that's, I mean, clearly you, that happened Mm -hmm. and it really happened. Yeah. I know that what you guys usually do is you do your investigation, you take a couple weeks or a week or so, right, to go through all of your recordings and everything Mm -hmm. that you do to make a report. I mean, what happens when you go, oh, that shit's real and that shit is angry. Like, yeah. what, is, what is your suggestion for someone to, like, get Deal the poltergeist that. out of the house? Yeah, like, what do you do? Um, well, what's funny is that everybody, everybody thinks, okay, I'm going to call the priest and I'm going to get the house blessed or I'm going to have an exorcism. Right. Well, if you believe in demonic forces and, you know, pure evil, inhuman spirits, then the only thing that's going to get rid of them is, you know, orders from a clergy to get out of the house or the person. But but let's just talk about people, people who have died and are now spirits. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. Right. You can't 
make them do anything. What you have to do as the living is change your perception and change your attitude. And so it's all about taking ownership of your house. You know, you wouldn't let somebody just walk in and take ownership of your house and, 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 plop down in your living room and say, this is my house now. No, you're not, you're not going to allow that to happen. And just because you can't see the thing that's there all the time or sense it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk to it in the same way. This is my house now. And I don't appreciate you scaring me. And I don't appreciate you doing what you're doing. me. Exactly. (laughs) And you literally have to take ownership and make your, put yourself in charge. A lot of times it's not necessarily that the activity stops, maybe it does, but it's that your attitude changes and you become actually more tolerant of whatever it is that's going on, which is usually a lot milder than what we as scaredy cat humans make it out to be, the scaredy cat living. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've never had an issue where people have moved out of their houses or, you know, oh, that's it, I'm selling this place. A lot of times it, it just takes that, that little change of attitude to help. Hmm. Interesting, because I know I have read and seen. You I'm know, a scaredy cat human. Yeah. <laughs> Poltergeists are, you know, they're mischievous, mm-hmm. and uh, they've been known to throw things. I've seen. There's this one guy I saw. This one show that I watch. I know a lot of it is, you know, all of it is actually videos that have been sent in by mm-hmm. people. Now we have cell phones. You know, we have smartphones that tape and catch video and audio and all this stuff. But this guy yeah. in England, and he has this, this flat, as they say, and he left the camera in there and you literally saw cabinet doors open, things flying, you know, mm-hmm. chairs being lifted up and thrown. And I'm always looking, you know, and my husband is too, we're always looking for that. Okay, where's the string? Where's the, you know, if the, if the shot is like off-center, there's somebody behind the corner, but this was like straight on and you're seeing things lift up, get thrown away and whatever. And then he, um, he, he did like a makeshift Ouija board and he used like a, um, not a shot glass, but a glass that you would drink, say like a rum and Coke, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, he, he just played, he didn't move it. He just had his hand on it and it literally shattered from underneath him and just imploded. And then oh, wow. like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> what's fascinating is that, you know, I don't, I don't, some poltergeist activity can actually be explained mm-hmm. as adolescent children. And, you know, I mean, it does, you know, but the prevailing hypothesis behind poltergeist activity is that it's mainly centered around adolescent children who are going through puberty, have a lot of hormonal energy, and that it's whatever, whatever emotional hormonal energy is going on, it's becoming externalized in their surroundings. Interesting. And typically poltergeist activity will die down once those children get to be of certain age. Now, Sometimes, too, it could also be associated with menopause. It could also be associated with male menopause, with any sort of chemical change that we're undergoing in our bodies. Like if you are, you know, going through a serious illness. Um, So, you know, any sort of extreme grief or anger could cause poltergeist activity. So, but in his case, I don't know. But that's fascinating. I think, I mean, if I had stuff flying around, I would be freaked out. Yeah, I'll have to look them up and then send you, you know, if there's like a YouTube yeah. company, I'll send it to you and, and I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, we have got, so I know that you've had a lot of really great interactions that kind of cracked me up. I just want, because I want to make sure we have tough stories for you to analyze. Yes. But really quick, I just want to point out and y'all read the book to get the full story. But there is a very entertaining chapter about a character, not a character, he's person, but you called him Mr. Fox. He liked to smoke. Uh, that would- Oh yeah. Uh, he also liked to cook snacks mm-hmm. that you were forced to eat, which is an under, like hilarious. Yeah. He really wanted you to talk about aliens, right? He was, he thought there, there were aliens in his house. So really quick, just kind of like a little breakdown of poor Mr. Fox in a nutshell, what happened with him? Oh, he was a retired uh, military colonel who had lived in this little duplex townhome for 20 some odd years. And he was a chain smoker. So the nicotine was everywhere. And um, he was convinced that aliens were landing in his neighborhood and replacing his neighbors with 
clones or robots or whatever and had doing genetic experiments. Mm. Some of our clients will fix things for us. They'll fix us food. And he was nice enough to fix us bacon wrapped liver pate that I had popped in my mouth <laughs> involuntarily. It was ridiculous. He stuck one in her mouth, Shalane. Yes. He stuck one in her mouth. <laughs> I was mid, no thank you. And he just popped that thing in there and Oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it was nasty. Uh-uh. So, no. yeah, he was convinced that he had aliens. And the scariest part of the night was actually when he took us out to the backyard and wanted to show us where the aliens were landing. Oh and a fully loaded handgun fell out of his pocket. <gasps> oh, welcome to Georgia. Yay. <laughs> It was great. That and the fact that I was getting over my second bout of bronchitis that summer. And so his house, I mean, after like three hours in his house, I was done. I started coughing. I told, I told the two guys I was investigating with, I said, I'm done. (laughs) So yeah. These are the things like working with the public, man, you just don't know what you're going to get. And like, like I said, you don't know what, what, what you're walking into in the house. But uh, like I said, her first book, super fun. Um, I'm not going to get into it too much, but there's a great story about her sitting in cat pee that go ahead and read the book. It's super funny. But Uh, Before we get into our stories, so there is the cliffhanger. So what are we looking at happening in the second book? In the second book, it's a a continuation of the first, and it's basically the formation of Paranormal Georgia Investigations, um, the group that several of us went off and, and formed on our own. It was our baby. And just us investigating, you know, having more experiences, um, you know, more, you know, craziness with the living and with the dead as far as, you know, what happened to us over several years of investigating together. I cannot wait. I cannot yes. wait. Um, okay. So really excited. Shalane has some uh, an awesome, we're going to tell ghost stories that we've had happen to us, Shalane and I, we're going to let Heather kind of discuss what she thinks it is. So Shalane, why oh. don't you kick it off? Okay. So we are in St. Augustine, my husband and I, and we we are like paranormal nerds. We like anything, you know, that's ghost related. So every city that we go, we go to mm-hmm. you know, check out the local ghost story. So for me, we are in St. Augustine and there is a cemetery right by, um, if there's like the entrance, actually, I think it's George Street and there's like, you know, like a little gate and whatever. So we are, you know, the ghost tour is going on and I always like to hang to try to see stuff, you know, pick, mm-hmm. whatever. So at the time there is a chain link fence and I have my camera. I don't want to step too far away, but I have my camera tilted over the chain link fence. And so it's tilted so I can still see the LED screen if there's anything going on. And I'm, right. you know, I'm just looking. So out from the right-hand corner of the screen, the screen, this blob, I can't really describe it any other way. It was a blob. And it literally just scurried across from one side of my lens to, to the other side. And it mm-hmm. freaked me out. Now, because I have it tilted, I can't make out what it is because it's, it's, it's almost like an infrared type of reflection when, when you turn the LED I mean, the, um, mm-hmm. the camera, because it wasn't a smartphone. It was an actual camera. So when I mm-hmm. tilted it, you know, I kind of saw that. But it moved. That's what freaked me out, to the point where I almost dropped my camera on the other side, which would have been lost forever, because that meant now I have to go in the graveyard. So <laughs> I have this weird look on my face. Dean has started to walk off with the tour, and he looks over at me, and he goes, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So then... The tour guide heard me and he turned around and he went and said to me, you saw him, didn't you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He tells me of a child that the tombstone that apparently where I saw it was a child and he likes to play hide and go seek. And that's what I saw. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, So yeah, I really, mm. I, you know, my only thing, it wasn't a bug on your lens. No. Nope. Okay. No, then this I, big, this was big. Yeah. 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 That I have no explanation for that. And what I love about that is that, you know, I'm the same way. Whenever I travel, whenever I go somewhere new, I like to take a ghost tour because so many people think, oh, it's just, you know, ghosts and people trying to scare you. Well, no, I mean, ghost tours are typically 
history plus ghosts. It's a good way exactly. to find out about the location you're visiting. Mm-hmm. And ghosts were once people too. They're mm-hmm. not going to perform on cue. We found that out investigating the paranormal now for 13 years. And so people, I think they go on ghost tours expecting to see ghosts. Mm-hmm. That's not always going to happen. It's very rare. And I think you're one of the lucky ones that actually had something really cool happen. That's awesome. And you know, yeah, yeah. the thing that really makes it interesting is that the ghost tour guy didn't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. He didn't mention this at all. So when he saw me and I and heard me say, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And that's when he said, you saw him, didn't you? And so it just freaked me out. And then, of course, everybody else is like, why didn't you tell us that? And, you know, but it was just, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I just felt really, you know, lucky. You know, I love that. that. I actually see something. That's, and of course, that's way cool. And I'm upset with myself because I'm like, why did I hit record? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, when, when you look at a camera, I mean, I look through the, the lens, whatever, you, you know, and you see things. I, I really don't think I would have seen anything had I had it tilted the regular way. But because right. I had tilted at a way where it almost looked like, you know, like an infrared type of mm-hmm. thing, that's when I saw it. And like, yeah, I, you would think maybe a bug or a moth, but this was a fairly large blob as opposed to something real small right no that's amazing i think that's cool yeah okay so that is shalane's first we're going to have some more ghost stories a couple weeks we're going to be telling some more but i have a great story and i have a bunch of friends that worked at this theater including someone related to you heather because your cousin your cousin maria and i worked at a theater in batavia illinois Mm -hmm. um the theater Well, the town of Batavia was founded in 1833, um, Mm -hmm. and this theater was on the third floor of a building that used to be a windmill factory. Okay. Okay. So whenever they were, like back in the day when they were making windmills. The first two floors of this building have been renovated into, the first floor is the police station, the second floor is the mayor and the city council's office, so it's all very modern. You get up to the third floor where the theater was, and it was still the original um, wooden floors that were so petrified that you can't screw a screw into them because they're so hard and limestone right. walls, dark oak beams. It looks like a castle, but it's basically, it just never got renovated. So it's still the vintage building. Everybody used to talk about when I first started, you know, I started theater in there in like 96. Oh, look out for the ghost, look out for the ghost. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't come in contact to, with the ghost myself until uh, the mid-2000s. So I mm-hmm. went for a long time without ever seeing the ghost. Um, the first time was I, the, the year before I came in contact with the ghost. The first one that really, really creeped me out was my friend Matt was at the theater by himself during the day. And he needed to paint something and he needed to kneel. And so what he did was we had a, it was those hardwood floors, like I said, but we had a carpet runner that went from the elevator. By the way, the only way into the theater without using a fire exit was an elevator. Mm-hmm. So you had to take the elevator to the third floor. So you walk down the carpet runner and that way your feet didn't like clip, clap, clip, clap, clip, clap if there was a show going on. And so he was kneeling on the carpet runner with his back to the uh, S- uh, elevator and his, he was facing the stage and he was painting. And his friend Mike was supposed to come and visit. The elevator opened, the elevator closed, and Mike was walking up the um, aisle, but wasn't saying anything to him, just heard the footsteps. So Matt finally was like, dude, what's wrong with you? And he turned around and no one was there. Nice. So so the elevator opened up and he heard footsteps walking right up behind him and it should have been Mike and Mm -hmm. yet nothing. So that was the first one that really freaked. And Matt's a history teacher in high school and a football coach. That man was wigged out by that. Mm -hmm. But now... I, got, I finally got my chance a year later. I came in, it was at night about six o'clock and I was um, directing a show and I was there early. Show started, a rehearsal started at seven and our theater was very old. The lighting system was a mess. So you came off the elevator and there was a switch that turned about three lights on and it was still pitch black. Then you had to walk about 10 feet and switch another switch on and that would get the front of the house lit where the seats were. Then in order to get the back of the theater lit, you had to go around the stage on the floor um, and there was a door so that if you wanted to enter and exit through to act on the floor, there was a black wall to Mm -hmm. hide the backstage. So you go around the corner of the black wall and there was a makeup table back there, mirrors all the way across, like huge giant mirrors and lights. And the way to turn those on was you had to lean over and hit a surge protector switch to get them turned on. And that's what I was doing. And this all happened at once. I was leaning to turn the surge protector on, looked in the mirror and behind me, 
up against that black wall was the entire figure of a woman in like Victorianish garb, like high collar, puffy sleeve shirt, hat, long skirt, but she was all rose pink colored with black, like almost like a cartoon. Like she didn't, she was in color, but it was one color. Yeah. She reminded me of like a sticker. And I saw her as I was switching the light on and I went, oh, and the light came on and she was still there. <gasps> and I slowly turned around and I watched her fade back into the black wall that was there. Oh, that is cool. And I, I thought, well, did the light make me see that? Like, you know how you turn a bright light mm -hmm. on? But the thing is, is when I went through it in my head and I, I, it was there before I turned the light on, like as I was switching, I looked up and she was there and then the light went on. And that's why I was like, nope, I'm really seeing that. So <laughs> she was pink in the dark. Yeah. So that I could see her like glowing. And then she just became like, and she was three dimensional. Right. And I looked at her and she wasn't mad. She was just like, kind of like peacefully and went, okay, never mind. And like flew away. Uh, needless cool. to say, I packed up my shit and went downstairs <laughs> to the second floor. And I was like, I'm waiting for my AD. Now I told Sarah, I said, dude, I don't know what that was, but I actually, I fucking saw it. And from now on, I'm going to wait for you and we'll go up there together. And she said, okay, fine. And then this happened. Like the next week she got there before me, decided to not heed my warning uh -oh. and went upstairs, was, did the same exact route, same exact thing that I did. But when she turned the light on in the, um, on the makeup table, she heard footsteps walking from the far end of the stage all the way across toward her. And she hollered out, were you already here? But she knew I wasn't. Mm -hmm. She knew I wasn't going up there. And she came out and there was, and it was like clip, clap, clip, clap on the hollow wooden stage. Not even the soft footprints that were on that runner. It was Carpet, clip, clap, yeah. clip, clap, clip, clap, all the way across. So that, so that happened. After that, Sarah decided, you were right. We will wait on the second floor and we will go upstairs together. That's and so, funny. Yeah. And then that, that was in November because it was a Christmas show in December. So that was around November. In the spring, I had my last moment with he, she, it, them, they, I don't know who. We were there at night. There was four of us. And my, it was my husband and two of my friends. And we were working on pulling costumes on one side of the theater in the backstage corner. And we were all quiet. And we didn't have, usually we have music playing, but it was at night. And for some reason, we didn't have music playing. Uh, we weren't going to be there very long, I guess, or something. And I'm like who's playing with the music box? Not that I know that we had a music box. I was just like, why is there a music box? And finally, I kind of like stopped and came down off the ladder. I was up high and I look around the corner and there's Jen and Jessica working right there. And I look around and there's Ish right over there. Like I couldn't see him from where I was. I'm like, which one of you has the music box? And they all went, you hear that too? And I was like, so all four of us heard that crap and none of us wanted to say out loud, do you all hear that? I was the one, like you said, like your friend Tony words, like, the fuck is that? And who's messing yeah. around? We should, we got to be working. Who's playing? Yeah. And that's where my mentality was. And I'm like, huh. And so we're like, let's pack this up and get going. And so we were kind of quietly putting our stuff back. We talked for a minute, quietly put our stuff back together and stopped again, because then from the other side of the theater, we heard whispering. Mm -hmm. We couldn't make it out, but we were... And that was it where we were, I just said to whomever, like you said, I was like, hey guys, we don't want any trouble. We just had some work to do. Y'all enjoy the rest of your night. We're going. And mm -hmm. so we left. So that was my experience. So I don't know in your descriptions of stuff that you've talked about before, like the residual haunting or the, um, not the residual, what was the other one that you said starts Intelligent. with I? Intelligent. Intelligent. Um, yeah. Where do you think that falls on that scale? I, I don't, it could be a combination of both. And I love maybe that, I, th I feel like the, the music box and the whispering were connected because I feel like maybe it was used to you guys having music. You didn't have music turned on and it thought, oh, oh, maybe they need something to listen to. Started playing music. Then you come down like, ah. Oh. And so then they're whispering amongst themselves of, okay, well, she didn't like that. Well, maybe maybe we should have played something else. And <laughs> I wonder if maybe that last thing was intelligent. <laughs> that's awesome. Shalane. <laughs> and on that note, that's going to be it. Shalane, <laughs> can you hold my hand, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? This is, 
I had a really good time listening to this. Awesome. Um, just real quick, guys, for us, if you want to go ahead and like comment on today's interview or if you just want to like share your own stories, please reach out to us on Facebook and on Instagram on all oh girl. <laughs> creeped out. Oh girl Ooh. podcast. Um, on Twitter is podcast girl, and you want to email us. It's ogirlpodcast at gmail.com. Heather, there was just so much um, that I mean, I want to hear more. If someone wants to hear more about like how they can get a hold of you or mm-hmm. mentioned your your tours, can you give all that information here? I'm just gonna give you the platform. Yeah. Um, my website is afutureghost.com and you can reach me at Heather at afutureghost.com. That's my email address. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at a.future.ghost. So, um, you know, you can buy my books, my paperback copies of my books on my website. You can also get paperback copies through Amazon, IndieBound.org, Barnes and Noble. You can buy Kindle, Nook, ebook copies. It's, it's available on all platforms. And uh, Recollections of a Future Ghost comes out Halloween Day. I, I highly recommend buying this book, y'all. It is, it is so much fun. And it'd be a great read for the fall when you're all warm and toasty sitting by your fire. And, uh, you know, read that book. Um, I, you know what, Shalane? I'm, gonna make, I'm making the call. Heather, I want you to come back. Do you want to come back for Halloween? I totally want to come back for Halloween. Let's have her come back. Yay! Yay! Let's do that because we can talk more ghosts. I am like still like, my legs are goose pimply from, I was yelling at a ghost and they got upset. And I'm freaked <laughs> out by that. <gasps> so I want to thank everybody for listening, hanging out with us. Heather, thanks so much. Tune in next week. Now next week, um, Heather won't be here next week, but we are going to talk witches. Another topic we love. We're going to talk about Salem witches, um, real Plus, our, one of our favorite movies, Hocus Pocus. We've got some really great submitted stories from our fans that have submitted. We'll share those. Uh, we got some really great drinks that were submitted that were in the Hocus Pocus theme um, from our fans. So I can't wait to talk about those. Uh, we may throw in a little Ouija board and tarot card just for you know effect. But until then, I'm just gonna say, uh, Shalane, I love you. Don't get don't get too spooky. Um, <laughs> cheers, everybody. Whoa, uh, 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 cheers. Cheers.